Shalom, damn it! It's 11 o'clock at night and time for Dave's Gone By, a comedy talk show on AM 1240 WGBB Freeport. It's not the best show on the radio, but let's face it, do you really deserve the best? Now, so sit back and settle. When a man is born, he's born with the foreskin. But the complete man is to be without the foreskin. Greetings from Long Island, where every highway is a sunrise. It's time for Dave's Gone By, an hour of comedy, talk, and music brought to you by Total Theater, with your host, Dave Lefkowitz. You've never heard anything like it, so sit back, relax, squeal if you must. Here's the host of Dave's Gone By, Dave! Well, there goes the Daverhood. Welcome, everyone. Welcome on this Sunday night, the last, or not even the last night of summer. It's the first night of fall here on Long Island. And welcome to the Daverhood. Dave has gone by on the air since October of 2002 on AM 1240 WGBB and live streaming on the web at AM 1240 WGBB.com. We are here for the 291st episode of this program, an hour of comedy, talk radio, interviews, music, and more. I'm Dave Lefkowitz, radio personality, journalist, theater critic, and fall guy, and I've got my guest co-host with me, as I very often do. He's, uh, I forget the official um, intro for him, but something like Bon Vivant, Man About Town. That's something right. about I am that. a Bon Vivant Man About Town. Jeff Goodman. How are you, Jeff? Good. How are you, Dave? You still have that cough. I'm never going to get rid of that one. What do you mean, never? You're going to be coughing until you're 80? What? I think so. Okay. Okay. Do you still have the, sli- the sleep apnea? That was fun. That could be. The reason I was not here last week, ladies and gentlemen, I, all, I had initially planned to have a program, a live new program last week. But, you know, I've been working hard, and it's been a very tough summer. I had a lot of bad stuff happen, you know, personally. Nothing, nothing so terrible. Well, there was a death, but it wasn't in my immediate family, so we dealt with that and all sorts of things. I wanted a party, and I wanted a party the way I used to have to coincide with the hilarious Chabad Lubavitch telethon that they've been doing for 30-odd years on Channel 10 on cable. It's actually Channel 55. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to do a repeat of Dave's Gone By last week, and Stephanie was kind enough to take the reins here, and she played the interview with Reckless Eric, which was really cool. But at home, we were watching the telethon. We had friends over. We had uh, food and pizza. And I invited Jeff because I would have... House band? What was that? What? It was party at Dave's house. Party at Dave's house. Jeff, of course, you know, in the, in one of the biggest insults ever, arrives with like 10 bags of goodies and noshes and drinks like, and tells me in front of everyone, No, oh, Dave, um, I brought lots of... Because I figured you wouldn't bring enough food for everybody. I didn't say that in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't think you, you have enough food. So I brought well, all this Dave, food. you told me you were getting a pizza and salsa. 
Yes, pizza, salsa, and syrups, because it was a Jewish kind of a thing. It was kosher pizza for one person who, who was kosher, and we didn't want to spend the money, so we got unkosher pizza with flies and roaches on it for everybody else. Cool. No, that was delicious. And instead of soda and wine and whatever, we figured we have seltzer and all these different syrups where people can make their own sodas, like chocolate. I didn't know it was like theme party. Nobody... Nobody touched the syrups. Nobody t- People drank the one bottle of Coke. Also, I brought from Trader Joe's uh, like a lemonade, an organic lemonade, and that went pretty well. So I, uh, it was scattered salt. It was seltzophobic. And you brought a bottle of uh, diet. Diet Coke. Cherry. Uh, no, no. Pathmark. Pathmark Cherry Coke, which you drank half of, which is good. I'm just finishing the last of. So I'm glad you brought the thing that and you I brought had. Little Debbie's, which were a big hit. Little Debbie's were a hit. Um, still, I got the a pound that we didn't even open. The Cheetos were good. I brought in half a bag here for the WGBB staff. So, But the, the best part, uh, aside from watching the telethon, what was your favorite part of the of the evening? Leaving? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Gee, well, yeah, I thought the best part for you, the best part for a lot of us was watching you. Because about ten minutes after you sat down and after you played with a dog and tortured our no, dogs for a little bit, true. you started sleeping. You know, and, and you were you know, just like, your head didn't just nod and you were like, no. You were sprawled across oh, really? our, our couch with your head to the side, your leg like out like this. Well, people can visualize this. Really? And we were just, in the middle of watching this telethon and watching all the Jews dancing and the rabbis talking and Jerry Weintraub giving his speeches, there's you on the couch at our party, at this party, which is supposed to be this lively, fun event. And we're just all looking at Jeff, and you would wake up for a moment and then fall right back to oh, sleep. Really? And you were even talking in your sleep sometimes. Really? You were like, like a comment that was sort of related to what's going on, but wasn't really. It was wonderful. Wow. You're like the ultimate bad guest. It's fantastic. Oh, you have to take that. You well, time, I yeah. guess I do have sleep apnea then. Well, yeah, no, we were, I, I have to honestly say, and I'm not joking, and I probably shouldn't even say this on the air, but we, my wife was scared. I was a little scared. We thought you were dying. <laughs> Until you started snoring and you were just like out. We thought, oh my God, he's dead on our couch. And then you went, <laughs> and then we were like, well, he may die on our couch, but probably not. <laughs> but it was, it was good to have you. For the moments you were awake, I, I did enjoy the telethon, but I enjoyed playing with your dogs more. Oh, very, yeah. You're, you're, the children are lovely. Aren't, they, aren't our dogs so cute? Your dogs are adorable. Well, well, thank you. And I love the ball obsession. I beg your pardon? <laughs> you want to rephrase that? Yeah. Okay. By the way, let's... You yeah, know what I also love? I love sponsors. I love the sponsors of this program, and I'm so excited. Let's let's talk about the, the three that we usually have. Uh-oh. We have a new one, too. Oh, my God. How did oh, that happen? Oh, oh, oh. My nipples are pointy. It must be the ball. balls for the dogs. <laughs> that, that would do it. You know our usual sponsors. Why don't you do them? Sure. We have the Copy Kings of Broadway. Hewlett Minuteman Press. That's right. 10% off at Hewlett Minuteman Press for all Dave's Gone By listeners. But Check no Loman Shoes. No, they're, they're next to what used to be the Loman Shoe Store. They're about three blocks from the almost about to open Dunkin' Donuts, but it's probably best known that they're across the street from the regular old Lomans that's still there. Hewlett Minuteman Press, the copy kings of Broadway. Also, then there's the Bible of Broadway. Which is? That would be... 
Performing Arts Insider. <laughs> a little hint there for Jeff. Performing Arts Insider Theater Magazine, to which Jeff subscribes, thank you very much, which has been around for 65 years and tells you everything you need to know. Everything. About Broadway, Off-Broadway, Cabaret, Opera, and beyond. Thank you, Ed McMahon. That's right. And Dave's Gone By listeners get a special, really big discount rate on subscriptions to this hard copy journal, Performing Arts Insider. Please go to davesgoneby.org for that information. And for more information about this journal, which really is an incredibly handy and informative guide to the whole Broadway and off-Broadway season, go to performingartsinsider.com. And Dave's had a bad summer, so please subscribe. You know, yeah, I, please do. I, I get a little kickback from it. I don't get any kickback from fancy schmancy balloons, but for some but reason... But you would if we ever had any business. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is fancy schmancy balloons? Fancy schmancy balloons is a lovely company that seems to be going out of business. Well, how can people keep fancy schmancy? You're really doing a wonderful ad for yourself here. You might as well cut it right now. It's all right. going out of business. There's no business. Yeah, you can call, doing. you don't call. It's all the same to me. Well, people do call, and they, they're doing a party, and they want the party to look good with centerpieces and balloons. Not good. Fabulous. Fabulous. And fancy and schmancy. Call fancy schmancy balloons at 516-797-3222. Thank God you remember your own phone number. Five one six. I'm trying not to cough in the middle of it. Oh, seven nine seven three two two nine. Your mic's down if you want to cough. Seven nine seven three two two nine. Come on, the holidays are coming up. Get Jeff to do the balloons and the centerpieces and all kinds of decorations for your parties. And now, so very very excited about our new sponsor, which is not new to me, because. My family has been going to this restaurant for more than 30 years, ever since we've lived on Long Island. Kentucky Fried Chicken? Good God, no. <laughs> First of all, my family would never go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. My regular family, the one I was born with, was a kosher. But no, 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 no. The Woodrow Delicatessen in Peninsula Shopping Center in Hewlett. I've been there. Of course we've been there. Everybody's been there. They've been around for 47 years. I have. And they're one of the best delicatessens on Long Island, which makes them one of the best delis in the world, really, in, it in is. New York. It's the truth. All, everything except the pastrami, which has to be smoked elsewhere, all the other food is freshly made in the <laughs> store. Say, everything except the pastrami is fresh. No, no, the pastrami is no, good. The pastrami, this the pastrami is fresh, it's delicious, but they can't make it there. They don't have a smokehouse. Pastrami has to be done elsewhere, but everything else... So you can't smoke the turkey there, either. You can, you can roll it up and you can kind of put it in a bong, but you can't really uh, smoke it. But they've got every... I mean, I have been eating there since I was a kid, and it's it's not like I got tired. Uh, you know, I would still go there with my wife once a week sometimes. She gets an omelet because she's a vegetarian. They can make a delicious vegetable omelet. But I'm there. I'm there to have the Romanian tenderloin, all the different kinds of chicken that they do, to have a good pastrami or tongue or a corned beef sandwich. When was the last time you had a good tongue? Actually, I had it at the Woodrow three weeks ago. It comes with a sweet and sour sauce. I had some good tongue. When was the last time you had some good tongue, Jeff? A long time. I remember it's tasty and bumpy. No, it's kind of slippery. It's very thinly cut. No, but it's when you... Oh, you mean when you're... Too, oh. When, it's, when they're slicing it. I don't care whose tongue it is. When, when they slice that tongue, I go, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> well, it doesn't look like a tongue. I, I know a lot of people find tongue a little bit, but I'm telling you, it's delish. It is. And so are so many things. It's almost as good as their kinish. 
Knishas are good. They're good, very good French fries there. You can get a roast chicken and then take that home also where they do a chicken. You could, like, live there for weeks. Yeah. Of course, hot dogs in Frankfurt is all kosher, and they're open seven days a week. I know it's a kosher deli, but, yes, they're open Friday nights and Saturdays for lunch and stuff like that. And it, as I said, been around forever. Norman, who's the owner, the co-owner, has been there for almost five decades. The waiters are really, really cool. I can't say enough about them, especially now that they are sponsors of Dave's Gone By. So visit the Woodrow at the Peninsula Shopping Center in Hewlett, Long Island, and find out more at woodrowdeli.com. And there's only one W in that. It's W-O-O-D-R-O deli.com. Okay, just want to tell you a couple of uh, other things to let you know that um, if you like this show... You want to hear older episodes of this program? Well, there are a couple of ways you can always do it. You can go to the radio station website, am1240wgbb.com, and there's about 20 episodes there that you can listen to anytime for free. But now, we're also migrating bunches and bunches of episodes to my website, Dave's Gone By. They're free there, too. You can download them as podcasts. You can also listen to them right on the site. You don't have to download them. They'll just stream. And there's cool pictures with all the shows that we've got up there. We have almost 50 episodes available now at davesgoneby.org. Check them out. They're not quite in order. Where is episode one? Episode one hasn't been loaded on yet, but every episode from 2008 is on the website. Really going back to late October of last year, we, we have them almost all on. So definitely go to davesgoneby.org for that. Now, wow, uh, already running a little bit over time, so let's just say who's going to be on tonight's very hey, special who's episode. Who's on tonight's Dave's Gone By? Mama Lou! He died. Well, yes, he died a long time ago. But his iconhood, his legend, as it were, remains. And it's being brought to life off-Broadway with a show opening this week called Baba Lucy. It's a, not quite a one-person show because there's a seven-piece band involved. But a guy named Greg Pernhagen, who looks and sounds quite a bit like Desi Arnaz, is doing a show about... Desi and his music, and he's singing Babalu and, you know, Cuban Pete and all those different songs. Does he have a Lucy who tries to get in on the act? I think there is an actress involved who, who like, bounces off him just a little bit. But it, it is his show. He's been doing it in Cabaret for a few years. And now it's got a real big off-Broadway opening. And we're going to be talking to and meeting Greg Pernhagen. Hagen, excuse me. Rhymes with Hagen. Babalicious? I, I hope so. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> but uh, we're going to be having some Bob... Uh, nope. Can't think of a pun right right there. I just I, I let that one drop. Bob I'm sorry. But, you know, yeah, it should be a very, very fun conversation in studio with Greg Pernhagen to talk about his show and music and other stuff like that. And then we'll have Inside Broadway, where we're talking about Broadway news. And also, uh, if there's time, we have Iris Dorbian. She is a theater critic and also the author of a new book about the great Broadway producers from the past and also of present times. And we'll both be talking about a show that we've each seen called The Quarrel. It's a kind of a Jewish-themed holiday cost theme show, so it's going to be a real fun conversation. We're going to review it right here on Inside Broadway on Days Gone By. If we really have time, could we discuss this month's issue of Butterfuco magazine? <laughs> what the heck this, is this that? This is in the, the lobby of WGVB. Well, I'll bet you that's a relative. The lawyer things, they're probably here for a show and they dropped off these booklets of people hoping to hire the Butterfuco family. <laughs> <laughs> it seems they represent the little guy in quotes. Well, the little guy wants to take a shot. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, just like, but he got in trouble with his little guy, didn't he? Oh, that was jo- oh, Joey had the was the one with the the thing. No, snip, no, no that was, was the one who had the girlfriend. Right. That was um. Who shot? She was Mary a porn Joe. actress. Right, right. So I was right about the she shot. Was a porn actress. Yeah, she, she grew up in Merrick. Yes, but she ended up um, releasing like a, a homemade sex no. tape last year. Amy Fisher. Oh, did she? When first she became a writer. She was writing for New York Press. Well, I couldn't even write for New York or New York one of those pages, papers. And now um, she released a sex tape last year to show that she was still somehow a viable celebrity of some sort. I haven't seen it, but uh, apparently she's something of a MILF. Uh, you know, mothers who fire at people. I don't know what. Uh, I'll have to work on that, too. Anyway, let's get to work with Greg Pernhagen. Jabaluthi. Right after this. Print it, copy it, send it as a gift, all that and more at Hewlett Minuteman Press, your full-service printer, family-owned and operated since 1975. Photocopying, printing, wedding invitations, and great gifts, Minuteman, 1315 Broadway in Hewlett. Call 516-569-5577, 569-5577, on the web at hewlett.minutemanpress.com, and mention Dave's Gone By to get 10% off. I'm home. Now, that's that's pretty bad. I want to hear that good, don't you? Let's hear the real kind of Desi do that. Lucy, honey, I'm home. Pretty good. Pretty good. Say something else Desi-esque. Something Desi-esque. What would I want to say? Um, Ladies and gentlemen, I have been married to this woman for 13 years, and she still drives me crazy, but I love her. Very nice. Very nice. No, that... It's not Denzel Washington, and no, it isn't Lou Jacoby. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a person impersonating, or will be impersonating, Desi Arnaz. Channeling. Channeling him, that's right. Bringing him through in a Whoopi Goldberg kind of a way in ah. Ghost. Greg Pernhagen, and as, as um, it, am I correct? That's correct. Because it rhymes with... That's very good. Thank you. Well, Hagen does with a pern. Hagen with a pern, ladies and gentlemen. Greg Pernhagen is doing a one-person show. Well, actually, there's a couple of other people, and there's a band. A very nice band, seven pieces. Oh, yes, and, yes. And, 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 and then yes, his first his first band was he was actually in a group called the Siboni Septet, but there were only five people in it, even after he joined. So. Okay. I think it sounded better with the S's, the Siboni Septet. And also, it makes it sound bigger. 
Yeah. Once they're in the club, they pay the money. If they yeah. only see five people on stage, they're, you know. You know, he's taking a break. <laughs> Where's the trombone player? Oh, well, doesn't matter. I'm drunk anyway. So... Well, did Saboni mean anything? Was it a, a member of the ga- the band? Or? No, there, there was a there was a tune called Saboni back. Oh. you know, like this was like in the thirties uh, right. in Miami. Was a, but sounds I, like know. a joke. Like my daughter is Saboni. <laughs> <laughs> she can squeeze through the kill. <laughs> but we are. Gosh, what, I didn't even get to properly introduce you. This is Greg Pernhagen, as we said. Hello. He's doing a one-person show called. With, with all these other people called Baba, Baba Lucy, Baba Lucy off Broadway at the Actors Temple Theater. It's right on the yes. west side, 339 West 47th Street, and it's as the title suggests, and as we've been goofing about already, it is the life story of Desi Arnaz through his music and also through the tales that he tells through Greg Pernhagen. So, Greg, first of all, what are some things that people, our listeners, might not know? about Desi Arnaz that would surprise them? Uh, well, I think one of the biggest things that surprises a lot of people is that uh, his career as a band leader was quite huge. Um, he was very successful before he met Lucy, and after World War II, his band was one of the most successful big bands. Uh, you know, a lot of big bands started to kind of go into decline, and his actually took off. I mean, he broke and tied records with, like, Tommy Dorsey, out at these big venues in the Midwest, uh, you know. So I think everyone thinks that he only became famous because of the show, and that he only, you know, became famous because of his wife. And he actually brought a lot to the table. Why was? Why do you think America was particularly ready for that Cuban Latin music? Was it a real big thing? There was there was well, Xavier Cugat. Exactly. Was big yeah, Xavier Cugat was his first mentor, but um, Cugat discovered him basically oh, okay. in Miami uh, when he was. You know, I think he must have been 22, even 20, 21, 22, and, uh, you know, took him on the road. And that's, he said, you know, that was his musical education right there. You know, he didn't have to go to a conservatory. He learned the business from the inside, right. watching Cougat deal with the band. But what, what do you think it was about the music in that period of American... Well, part of it, you know, it was the exotic appeal. I mean, you, you're looking at, like, uh, Valentino had already kind of come and gone... Um, I, you know, I think people were traveling to Cuba and to the islands, and you know, it had this kind of exotic appeal in it. You know, the beat and the rhythm, you know, the dancing was very uh, exciting. The other thing is that Cougat and and Desi and some of the other bands they tailored their music. You know, they sort of made it Latin hybrid, so that you know, it was meant to be uh, you know palatable to American audiences. They, it wasn't as you know, it wasn't like Buena Vista Social Club, which is a little bit more, you know, kind of authentic to the music that's happening in Cuba now, or, or had been happening you know, right. when, they, when they first formed. So, you know, Desi said he wanted, you know, the strings of, you know, Castellanets with the percussion of Machito. He used a different word, but uh, anyway, the balls of Machito. <laughs> that's fine. If I can say that. The, co- the, co- the cojones of Machito. Um <laughs> Because you know, he wanted, you know, that excitement of the rhythm. Because he had, you know, and here's the other thing that people are surprised: um, he didn't do Babalu until it was like well into the 40s. Um, you know, I think everyone thought that you know he like came in, came out of his mother's, you know, the womb <laughs> and was singing Babalu, and it's kind of surprised me even that you know he that wasn't like an early hit. Yeah. He like you know, came to it at some point, and, you know, it was a very... And yet it became somehow that signature thing for him. Uh, well, yeah, because of the conga, because he was very much, uh, 
you know, not single-handedly responsible, but uh, definitely one of the reasons the conga became popular. He introduced it in Miami, and oh. it caught like wildfire, and then it, you know, zoomed up the coast, got to New York. He came to New York riding this crest and became, you know, quite famous, uh, you know, and then got into Too Many Girls on Broadway. <laughs> Who doesn't? But, you know, thank you so much. Exactly. Old episodes of Dave's Gone By Don't Die, they just get archived on CD and on the Internet. They're on CD for just $10, including shipping and handling, makes a wonderful gift. But if you just want to listen on your computer, you can go to davesgoneby.org and see all the archives and listen to them free anytime at all, including a list of what's been on every episode of Dave's Gone By. So go to davesgoneby.org for all the information you need to know to hear me on CD. Whenever old man trouble makes trouble arise, just call that big straw hat over your eyes. You'll never see the circumstance making you frown if you just push your eyes under the crown. Life can be a simple thing, a simple thing to laugh and sing. Get yourself a hat of straw and put it on. Don't take it off. And pretty soon your troubles will come to an end because you simply will not see them, my friend. To visualize permanent sun in the skies, just put that big straw hat over your eyes. Because you will not see or hear them, my friend. To visualize permanent sun in the skies, just put that big straw hat over your eyes. Now, with a name like Greg Pernhagen, people listening, I, I'm looking at you. I see certainly the resemblance to Desi, and certainly also to the Latin culture. But your name does, doesn't necessarily jibe. This is true. Why is that? And tell us the familial reason why Desi Arnaz is such a, a signpost for you. Okay. Well, um, in, a, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, <laughs> um, I'm Cuban by birth. My father was Cuban. My mother is American. Uh, but uh, due to, you know, another story someday in another show, I was uh, given up for adoption. And so I grew up... Well, you, you just weren't good enough. I mean, let's, just, <laughs> well, let's just be honest about that. I don't that. know. My parents always told me I was very special, and that's why they picked me. Uh, so just kidding. Anyway, but, you know, I grew up uh, here on Long Island in Massapequa Park in what was basically... The dominant culture growing up was Italian-American. My mom's family was big, meaning oh. my adoptive parents. Right. And so my dad's name is German-Dutch, and, you know, I grew up... You know, knowing that I was Cuban because I always knew I was adopted. My parents adopted my younger sister also. 
And it was just, you know, it was a fact of life. There was no stigma. You know, nobody ever made fun of us. We were just like, yeah, we're adopted, you know, so what? Sure. But growing up, I always, you know, I watched the show as a kid, you know, just, you know, at some point when I was a kid, you could see it, you know, three or four times a day, it seemed like it was on. In the morning, it was on. You know, at supper time, it was on late at night. And... And this was before even cable. This is, I mean, yeah, now yeah. we can certainly find it anytime. Yeah, but. reruns, but, you know, and, you know, reruns, you know, on, I guess, like, I think it was on Channel 5. Right. And he, to me, was sort of my, I don't want to say example, um, you know, he was like... I, well, more than an icon. More than an icon, he was like, he, you know, it was like he was what it, he, he was what I thought it meant to be Cuban, you know, he was this, you know dashing, you know, musician, and he had the temper, and he had the beautiful wife, and, but, you know, he also had the accent, and he had, you know, the funny way of, you know, speaking, and, and referring to, you know, Cuba, and being home, and, you know, and his family, and, and so, I mean, I can, I kind of projected onto him, and again, you know, it wasn't in a way, it wasn't like, I felt like I was missing something as being part of a family, because, you know, my parents loved me, and we were, you know, was very happy, as a kid growing up, but I always also knew that there was this part of me that was kind of, you know, genetic and, and you know, uh, intrinsic, and I had no, I had no one to turn to, and no one to, like, show me, you know, what does it mean to be Cuban, and it was Desi who really... Uh, and also, I can see, you know, the physical resemblance, as I said, and... Uh, yeah, a little bit. What did kids call you in high they, school? They, your, your friend. Actually. My friends called me Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> That's yeah, a, a lot of the time, yeah. So at what point, though, did the idea of actually doing Desi and Ricky... You know, um, now that I'm doing it, it it's a shocking how long it took because, I mean, I've been working as a freelance musician and singing and doing a lot of different things for a long time. Um, I did cabaret about... You know, gosh, almost over, you know, 15 years ago, I started doing shows just, you know, for fun because I liked the American songbook and I loved picking the material and arranging it. And then I kind of got out of it. And then after 9-11, I realized that, you know, if you really love doing something, you have to do it now. Like, don't sit around and wait. I mean, I was always like letting the rest of my career kind of make money. And that was, you know, where I would put my energy and I'll just do the cabaret, you know, you know, next year. And then next year became two years and then it became three years. And so when I came back, I decided I was really going to focus and stick with it. And I made a list of shows and I felt like the first couple of shows, I had to get my feet wet again and sort of get back into it. But then uh, number four was this, you know, I called it the Desi project. I called, you know, finding my inner Desi, you know, that, you know, a a show that would deal with C, with Desi, D-E-S-I, oh, anyway. Well, not the Indian one, but (laughs) he sort of got me in touch with, you know, the the Latino. You told me when we we spoke earlier that initially you combined both things. You made the show the story of your life and how you got into your adoption and all that. And then the director said... Well, when we decided, uh, I shouldn't say we decided, when I became lucky enough to have some producers hear about the project, you know, in the cabaret form... Uh, they came to see it and they said, you know, we want to m- make it more theatrical and we think the most important thing to do is to put you into character the whole time. Like in the old, in the original cabaret show, I sang as him and then I talked about him and then there was a segment with Lucy and then I was pretty much in character and then I talked a little bit more about my personal connection you know, because that's what cabaret is often about sure. is, you know, revealing your own, you know, your yourself. 
Um, but I totally understood what they wanted, and I said, you know, this, it made sense. I mean, I just, I didn't even hesitate. I said, okay, you know, am I, but am I going for a slavish kind of rich little imitation, or can it just be, you know, as much of an embodiment as I can do? Because I don't resemble him identically physically, but I look, you know, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Some, uh, yeah. and, you know, and I get the facial mannerisms, and I, you know, the hands and the gestures, and I just, you know, I study him, and I study him. Um, and what, what, uh, people might not realize, you know, you were talking, almost glossing over the cabaret stuff, but you also did a stint in modern, uh, not atonal, but, but kind of oh, modern, yeah, yeah. Um, serial music. And I've done, yeah, a lot of uh, minimalist music, and I've worked a lot with Philip Glass. And, wow. Uh, and that got me a gig uh, singing on uh, one of Bjork's CDs. Now, tell, was, tell the, you met Bjork only when you literally yes. came in to do the gig. Yeah. What, how did, I mean, what was that like? Uh, it was fantastic. She um, she was doing an album that was mostly uh, pretty much like 99% acapella, and uh, she had written all this choral music and then done all these uh, you know multi tracks using her own voice. And then she was also working with a lot of like human beatbox guys and some other you know indie pop singers. And she needed someone who was like she wanted a, a classically trained baritone who was really willing to be experimental and. You know, the guys at the studio said, you know, call oh, Greg. Yeah. And they called me, and they wouldn't tell me who the project was for. They said, you know, are you free to do a session on, you know, next Friday? It's for a very special artist. And I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll say yes, because just I, I just because I want to know who sure, it is. Yeah. And once they confirmed it and everything, they said, okay, you know, you're recording for Bjork. I was like, I, you know shocked and did excited. you have to sight read music when you got there I or did. yeah so that's how we, we were having there. music faxed from iceland wow in the studio <laughs> and we just broke it down i think i did i'm on either i think i'm on three or four tracks and oh which album sorry uh, oh it's called um volta or no no oh man how much not homogenic Medulla. Medulla, okay. God, it's, you know, that was like, I think it's either two or three years ago. I must forgot. <laughs> well, out of your head. Exactly. Ironically. Yeah, yeah. hit me. Um, so, you know, we would look at one piece at a time, and I would look at the music, and then she would play the, you know, the tracks that she had already laid down, you know, that weren't uh, f fully produced yet. And, you know, she would talk about what she wanted and, you know, what she needed for me. And then we'd try a couple of things, and I'd, you know, do some passes, like a rehearsal, and then we would just go and do some actual takes. So, I mean, it was just the two of us in the studio with an engineer and, uh, you know, her assistant. Cool. And so, you know, we got to talk a lot in between just about music and art. And, you know, I'm like in total awe of her. Sure. And, but, you know, she... She wasn't dressed as a swan or anything. She, no, but she, you know, she had a cute outfit on. Okay. Um, you know, I, <laughs> it, was, it, it was, you know, very much her it style. It was pure okay. But she was uh, she was really lovely and she was very focused, mm. um, and she was you know respectful of me because of you know what you know she knew what I had done with Philip Glass and oh. working with Meredith Monk and so it was kind of interesting you know I'm like in, in such total awe of her and her talent and it was very nice that you know and, and she liked you well enough that you ended up singing yes, for her invited, or again yes well uh, for her she invited me to. Uh, get something together for a Christmas party at her house with Matthew Barney in uh, her husband, her, her yeah. husband uh, the conceptual artist and uh, so I got some friends together and we put together this very kind of eclectic but uh, interesting Christmas program you know that had a lot of medieval music which sounds almost like minimalism if you a huh. lot of it it's 
kind of spooky and and moody and you know no we didn't do white christmas or <laughs> jingle bells no. okay. i thought for this crowd we'll do something yeah. really out there or dreidel 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 for that ex- <laughs> and they loved it they you know oh that's great at that party she was wearing harlequin jodhpurs <laughs> that were like pink and and burgundy these big diamonds and then she had on this little green top and on her uh, she was wearing a bowl of plastic cherries on her head <laughs> And you didn't bring a camera, dude, did uh, You know, I just didn't seem like, you know... I, even the camera phone could have whipped it out and sold it to National wish we could have. I mean, yeah. my favorite part of the evening, though, is after we did the concert, you know, there were people all over the house, and, you know, and they had roasted a pig in the backyard, and so she brought us down to this huge kitchen, this old house uh, on the Hudson River just above the George Washington Bridge, and the kitchen, you know, the, 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 the pig is sitting on, you know, like the, the kitchen counter. You're just like stretched out for seven feet. And people have been eating it. And there was all this food. And she's, she's like, would you like some leftovers? <laughs> and she started, you know, like packing up food and Tupperware. And like, you know, like, here, please, you know, we have so much. Take it home. You know, like giving us leftover roast pig. Go figure. So. Bjork is a Jewish mother. Say, <laughs> 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 so, by the way, are you married? Do you have kids? Or no, no. Oh, okay. Are you in the process of? Or? No, I'm... You know, you are free. I'm a well. I'm a free freelancer, but uh, okay, you know, that's her. Yeah, just just, just one. And I have one other question sure. about Desi because there's someone who wants to talk to Ricky Ricardo. Oh, really? Uh, it isn't going to be me because you know I'm, okay, I'm, okay. I'm more on a one-to-one with the All with right. you. Um, Rabbi Saul Solomon has been a fan of I Love Lucy for many, many no years. Kidding. He used to watch it six times a day, okay. even though it was only on four times a day. So he's going to come <laughs> in and and talk to Desi. But I, I have a question about you about De- for you about Desi. Sure. How much do you think of the Ricky Ricardo character was really Desi, and how much was he putting on? Um, I, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's, it maybe it's not half and half, but certainly, I mean, first of all, I mean, they originally based the first script of the pilot was going to be based on their real lives, and he was going to be Desi as the orchestra leader, and she was Lucille Ball, the, the film star. Right. And then they... They said he thought it was a good script, but he also thought that audiences wouldn't relate to them as celebrities. Like, so who cares if we have trials and tribulations? You know, at the end of the show, we still get a you know a photo session for Life magazine. So they went back to it and made it you know a struggling oh. musician and a wife who's frustrated and who's trying to get into the show so that she wasn't successful in her own right. And they you know, he really thought that the battle of the sexes was where it would resonate with a wider yeah. audience and you know just this kind of like you know timeless uh struggle and you know and then of course having the neighbors you know fred and ethel would just give them more chances and more opportunities to do, to work on that well um, um speaking of timeless struggles yes <laughs> rabbi sal solomon to talk okay. to desi arnaz right after bueno this message do you know how easy and inexpensive it is to advertise on Dave's Gone By? You don't? Well, hey, it's even easier to find out. You can run a 30 or 60 second ad or sponsor a show segment or the whole show. Just go to davesgoneby.org to see the rates. Or call 516-295-1511, 516-295-1511. Bring your message to my audience. Advertise on Dave's Gone By.
because I used to watch I Love Lucy so much. It was such a joyful thing. You know, my parents would uh, let me watch the television, but, you know, just to see that because it was a domestic family. And even though they were Cuban, they had good family Jewish values. The father was all, always yelling, and the mother was making a mess. This, this, to me, is Jewish values. So it is exciting to me to talk to, to the wonderful, the exciting Baba Luke King himself. He's, he's, he's Baba Luski, is how I would say it. <laughs> Desi Arnaz, a pleasure. Oh, thank you, Rabbi. It's so nice to see you. Oh, have you, have you ever, been to to a, be here. ever been to a synagogue? Have you ever... You must I've been Jewish friends. I think I've been to a synagogue. <laughs> I think I've sung in a few synagogues. So have I. Know. And they've thrown me out for doing as much. With. Well, you know, in, in my days when I was touring with the band, we would play any place they sent us to. So and It's like my I, early days as a rabbi. I, I'm sure I played up in the Bosch Belt. Really? Oh, yes. this is good. You can add a little salsa to the Bosch and make it really <laughs> spicy. It makes it nice. What is it like being married to such a dynamo like Lucille Ball? Oh, you know, I mean... I tell people, first of all, when I want to assign responsibility for the success of I Love Lucy, I give Lucy 90%. Because without her, we all wouldn't be well, you should there. be giving your agent 15%. That's what I do. <laughs> but, I you know... She used to take 10. Now he wants 15. He's asking for 18. You've got to watch yes, those yes. agents. They will screw you out of every cent oh, they can. I know it. I know it. But is she... Uh, I mean, when she's not Lucy on the screen, is she different? Is she what? Is she... Well, you know, I mean, we... Uh, we are a little bit like our characters, so I think, you know, there's a little bit of the craziness, but she also, you know, she fights back. She doesn't always let me push her around the way I... And, you know, even on the show, I mean, she's always scheming against me, so you can't say that I'm always in charge, even though I think I am. Oh, the, the man is never... And so let me tell you something. My Miriam Libby stays home and has babies. You're Lucy. She had babies. She brought them to the studio three days later. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, she's a go-getter. That oh, you know, I mean, Winchell used to joke that uh, Little Ricky's birth was part of the... Or Desi Jr.'s birth was part of the script because we timed it out so that we could actually air that episode on the same day that she was giving birth. This is, this is a calculating and a smart woman. Oh, you, you know, and hey, you know, I... I, I had a little something to do with it, you know. And you must be proud of the children you got, uh, Lucy Arnaz. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're so terrifically talented. I mean, Lucy, is she's just a joy to behold. This is true. I've never held her, but I'm sure it's a joy to hold her. <laughs> they're, they're, 
As an obviously Latin person, and I hope you take that in the way I mean it. Well, I hope so. Did you ever experience prejudice coming up as a band leader? Oh, absolutely. Not so much as a band leader, but when you know when we went to CBS, uh, nobody wanted me. They used to call me the bongo player. Oh, well. And, you know, uh, Lucy actually had to call the bat for me. She said, if the Cuban goes, I go. I mean, she it got down to that because, first of all, they didn't think anyone would believe we could be married. Meanwhile, we had been married for 10 years already. And we were an established couple in Hollywood. But, you know, they thought, oh, no, out in Peoria or, you know, in, in the heartland, they're not going to believe it. And, and, of course, you know, my accent was a little thick. No. So, you I've, know, I've been I... i that too, you know. My father always said that someday my mouth would catch up to my ears, but it never really happened. I don't even... There's something filthy there. I'm not even going to go near. <laughs> we only have a, a minute left to, with the wonderful Desi Arnaz. Can you do something for me that I would love? It's not Babalu. No, oh, it is... Oh, okay. I'm, really, I was... You can start with Babalu. Can you do yeah. a Cuban version of Habana Gila? Cuba, mm. Just Cuba it up a little bit. Ha. Ha. Nagila ha. Oh, yes. Ba. Nagila ha. Yes, damn it. Ba. Nagila Veismachab. I don't even know the words, but I'm going to. It was beautiful. I'm so happy. I wish we had more time with Desi Arnaz. Ah, muchas gracias, Rabbi. And everybody, go see Desi's very good friend, Greg Pernhagen, doing Baba Lucy at the Actors Temple Theater, 339 West 47th Street. And they can even go to, what's that guy's website? He has a website, doesn't he? Hmm, who has a website? Greg Pernhagen? Yes. Yes, www.gregpernhagen.com. Gregpernhagen.com. Thank you, Desi. Thank you, Rabbi. And and please say Babalu. Mazel tov. Babalu. 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 Marriage, Babies, and the End of the World. It's a book. It's funny. I know because I wrote it. And you should buy it. At my website, davesgoneby.org. Are you reading me? Inside Broadway, brought to you by Performing Arts Insider Theater Magazine and TotalTheater.com. Yes, Inside Broadway here on Dave's Gone By on this last Sunday. Well... The first Sunday of fall, isn't it? It was, was no, the first Sunday. No, no, no. This is the last Sunday of summer. Oh, goodbye, summer. Well, so it's tomorrow. Well, they're not the boys of summer, but I do want to tell people in case they didn't know that the Yankees won uh, tonight. They they won seven to three over Baltimore. Last game at Yankee Stadium. They won, but they lost their stadium. Yeah, well, and and, and Shea Stadium going next week. So nothing much to say, but because. They spent two hours talking about this on the station, um, so I don't really have anything else to add to that. But, uh, yeah, this is a nostalgia factor, the whole Lou Gehrig thing and the whole Shea Stadium. Oh, now we're into the house that ruthless people built. Oh, <laughs> that's a new place, the place that are all tax dollars that aren't going to uh, bail out the savings and loans. Um, isn't going for it. It's going for all these new stadia. But anyway, enough of that kind of theater. Let's get to my kind of theater, Broadway and off-Broadway. And our first story in the inside Broadway segment is, I'm not a madam, I'm a concierge. The Broadway Concierge and Ticket Center has opened at 1560 Broadway at 46th Street in Manhattan. It's open daily. 
and it says project by the Theater League. That's a bunch of uh, Broadway producers who got together as a consortium. And it's a place where you can go and get free information about all the shows. Plus, you can go there to book Broadway shows and off-Broadway ones. Now, these are not. This is not the half-price ticket booth. This is full prices and also for the big VIP. Uh, and what are they going to do with the concierge? Well, that's what people, they can go there, get the information, buy the tickets. Also, you can go get hotel information, reservations, restaurants. It's really, it's for the tourist dollar because they're the only people who can afford to be in New York anymore. So do they tell them, like, what the plots are of the musicals? Yeah, in other words, if, if a family comes in and says, what should we see? Uh, the, the Broadway concierge will tell them, well, this is appropriate for you guys, or you might like this if you like that that sort of thing, or guide them to what might not be sold out. If they can't get into Wicked, they say, oh, maybe like Legally Blonde, and then set them up, have them buy the tickets, get them um, seats in a restaurant. A nice idea, again, for that Euro dollar coming <laughs> from overseas. And, and, you know, so many other cities have something like that. Uh, almost like a Chamber of Commerce thing. And, Might and as well have it. be a 1560 Broadway. 46th Street. Yeah, what? which would be a block away from TKTS anyway. Yeah, what, what, which side of the street is that going to be on? Oh, I, I'm trying to think of where it's going to be. I don't know. Uh, probably near that Citibank and... Uh, Maybe near that Bond? What Bond? Huh? You know the Bond sign? James Bond. I don't know. I have no idea. But what I do know what is that we had a Broadway opening this past week, uh, a musical version of A Tale of Two Cities called... Can you hear the people sing? <laughs> well, you're, you are not the only one making a joke like that because all the critics, almost to a man or woman, in their criticism of the show, which most of them did not like much at all, was like, well, it's lame is too. Because it, it has the look of it, and it's got the moving platforms and the people running around in rags. And the first act ends with a big, rousing number of the people about to revolt. And uh, I'm not going to give my review of the show this week, but I will say it was the reason people were saying it was much like they is. If they would just change that act one closer, uh, maybe the critics wouldn't have been so quick to, to point at Les is and say, oh, here we go again. But uh, here's, here's a couple of what the big reviewers said about the show. This is some, some Eric Grody of the New York Sun. Eric was on our uh, Tony show. He said, it's hardly the best of pop operas or the worst of pop operas. And pretty much half the critics I read did a, a play on that first line. He was line the same guy who said, we, each generation gets the grease we deserve. <laughs> Wasn't he? I'm not sure if he was the one. So I love that quote. Uh, Theater Mania's David Finkel just called it a mediocrity. The Richard Uzonian of the Toronto Star, he, he made no bones about it. Quote, it was the worst of times. It was the worst of times. The cast seemed to have grabbed their character, characterizations from a giant basket labeled Dickensian theatrical cliches. <laughs> and John Simon, who is not the meanest, uh, said that James Barber as Carton was a kind of Barbara Streisand wig, unless a far, far worse thing it actually is his hair, looks a bit daft. He can sing, but prefers to bellow, croon, or whisper. The last, given the lyrics, especially considerate. And Elisa Gardner of USA Today said of Natalie Toro that she's even more of a caricature singing about revolution and vengeance and a piercing shriek that suggests she's half expecting Robespierre or perhaps Simon Cowell to be in the audience. Well, I have to say, having seen the show, the audience liked it a lot more 
than the critics seem to. So, once again, I, I've seen this happen again and again, especially yeah. with these kinds of shows, going all the way back to Jekyll and Hyde and the Scarlet Pimpernel. I agree with that. I think a lot of times the critics just don't want to like something, and it's, not, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, this came in pre-hated. Pretty yeah. Much. And it, it lived up to the hate spectrum. They have their hate on, which I don't like. And audiences go there. My aunt saw it. She loved it with her friends. I'll reserve my judgment until next week, but I'm not with those other critics. Well, there you go. You know, here's a nice show, a show that you like quite a bit, that unfortunately is going away soon. I know. And it is? Then Then adieu. Then adieu. The sleeper hit musical closes October 12th after more than 500 performances at the Helen Hayes Theater. It's kind of surprising. I thought it was doing pretty well, too. It had been, and they were making plans through the fall. It made it through the summer, so you would figure, but it was never a big, big moneymaker. It was always a sleeper hit. And what's kind of nice is that, for the most part, the whole cast stayed with it for the whole two-odd year on. Carrie Butler, Cheyenne Jackson, Mary Testa, Jackie Hoffman, Tony Roberts... Whoopi Goldberg was in there for a couple of weeks, but really the, the original cast stayed with it, which is not all that common anymore. The show had four Tony nominations, including Best Musical, so you have one more month to catch Xanadu. Um, and again, I, it's not so much a victim of the waning entertainment dollar as for being around this long and other producers just wanting that theater. And speaking of which, another show that is going to be closing that same... Uh, day, October 12th, is a show that we kind of figured wouldn't have a chance, and it didn't. Title of show. Uh, the little musical that tried to... Oh. It's been making no money. Uh, I guess it wasn't oh. nine people's favorite thing. And I'm going I'm going back to see it at the beginning of the month, too. Well, good. We'll, we'll catch it up then. I mean, it, it, it had its little run, and this, it'll be done, I'm sure, in every... Little theater, every community theater, every regional theater with a small budget. I didn't know budget. they were going to close. the first I heard of this. Yeah, yeah. So October it's 12th, so kind of sad, Yom kippur kind of a day. <laughs> I don't think it's the exact same day. But no. anyway, we do have some, some happier stuff to talk about. In a minute or two, I'll be talking to Iris Dorbian about a play that we both saw off off Broadway called The Quarrel. And will we be quarreling about it or agreeing? You'll have to stay tuned to find out right after this. have no idea what to see on Broadway this season, have I got a magazine for you. 
Performing Arts Insider, the Bible of Broadway and beyond. Every show is listed with enough information to make you a theater expert, just like the professionals who've relied on PAI for 64 years. Get the most recent issue at PerformingArtsInsider.com. Dave's Gone By listeners get a steep discount on subscriptions, so visit PerformingArtsInsider.com for Broadway the best way. Broadway the best way it is, but also we do sometimes off and off Broadway on Inside Broadway. And tonight we're going to be reviewing a show called The Quarrel at the Darrell Roth Theater on East 15th Street. It's only there for a couple of weeks till the end of September. And it's a, um, a show basically about two Jewish men after the Holocaust. They grew up together, they were friends, they were in yeshiva together, but one went his secular way, and the other stayed in and became even more religious, and of course that becomes the bone of contention between them when they meet after a long, long time. So, I saw it this week, so did a good friend of this program and of mine, Iris Dorbian. Iris, are you there? Iris, hello? Uh, My ears still haven't recovered from that Xanadu song. (laughs) (laughs) You don't like Carrie Butler doing Xanadu? What's wrong with that? I'm still in shock. (laughs) Oh. Well, the the fact that Xanadu's closing or or what? Um, No, the music. (laughs) No, it's a great song. It's very catchy. It's ELO. Anyway, what did you think of the quarrel at the Daryl Roth Theater? Well, I mean, I thought it was pretty interesting, but you know, it just it, to me, it didn't really present any real fresh insight on something like this, um, like this chasm between these two men, you know, divided by religion. One goes the secular route, and the other one stays very religious. I just didn't think it it was fresh, to say the truth. Well, um, it's not that fresh because the material is a, a good decade old. It was yeah. originally a film. And then the authors, David Brandis and Joseph Talushkin, then... Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, you know what I thought was really interesting? What? I thought it was interesting that the, the... I don't know if it was a choice on the actor's part or maybe it was the writing, but I thought it was interesting that the religious character was, for me, far more sympathetic than the secular one, who seemed, again, I don't know if it was a choice on his part or the writing, who seemed kind of arrogant, smarmy. Well, um, he's, uh, this is a very bitter man, the, the secular one. He's going to, uh, he lost his family. He lost his wife and kid yes. in the Holocaust. Yes. So he's, he is angry against God, and he's probably angry also against all the people who didn't turn their backs on God when God yeah. turned their backs on him. So I understand yeah. Yeah. that bitterness. Yeah. And also, we're probably more likely to identify with the more secular well, that's, yeah, well, that, that's what I meant. It was very interesting that I, that I found the religious guy more uh, <laughs> sympathetic, considering that, you know, as you know, I'm not exactly religious. No. Uh, <laughs> so I thought that that was pretty interesting. I guess, I guess I get, because, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess, I guess my, my only, my only real quarrel, no pun intended, is that I just <laughs> didn't find it particularly fresh or original. Yeah, I mean, I like and, and the argument. Kind of yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, well, for me, the argument is always fresh. I mean, we're never going to until, if there ever is a Messiah and he comes, that'll answer all the questions. But until then, to me, it's always a fresh argument. Where was God during the Holocaust? Where's God now? And yeah. is, how do you believe and how do you put your belief into your life? To me, it's just, you know, uh, as a play, yeah, it's an argument. No, it's a dialogue, a dialectic. Yeah, 
Yeah, but you know, maybe it's because there was there was for such a point an un, an unrelenting deluge of Holocaust themed dramas where the same themes are brought up oh, over yeah. and over again. I think it's just tired. Yeah, I think the material's just tired. I, th- I think that was my complaint. I said I've heard this before. Yeah, I well, my complaint this. is that it, it's not that the argument is tired, but that the framework is just to have the argument. And that the men aren't that particularly interesting. I mean, they're brought together to have this conversation, and that's it, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's just, and and again, yeah, exactly, exactly. It just comes out of nowhere. Oh, they just meet, you know, in Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) It just comes out of nowhere. And and you're right, their characters are not particularly interesting. In in a way, they're both cliches. Um, And mouthpieces. Exactly. You know what it is to me? It's like this is the kind of thing that if George Bernard Shaw were Jewish, he would make this like the middle of a second act of one of his, his plays. Yeah, and but he would make yeah, but he would make it far more interesting. Well, he'd make it more intellectual. <laughs> he would, yeah, he would make it more intellectual, but he would also make the characters a lot more interesting. That could I be. think because he's, you know, you, I mean, he's, he's a tremendous writer. I mean, I'm very biased when it comes to him. So. I will say, I, I do think there, there are moments in the play that are kind of touching. I mean, when they, anytime somebody mentions a name of a person, and all the one has to do is look at the other to know that that person didn't make it through, you know, the, through Europe, through the Holocaust. I thought that was kind of... And also, I should say that, um, just as a caveat, one of the actors, mm-hmm. the fellow playing the secular Jew, Sam Gunsler, is an old friend of mine going back to my NYU days. So okay. I have to kind of put that out there to, to be fair. But I, I, thought, I thought it was okay. I was just like, eh, it was all right. Interesting to a point. I mean, but, I guess, yeah. I guess like, if it's raining out and you want to like, <laughs> shelter from the storm, this is a good, this is an okay way to pass an hour. You know, actually, what's <laughs> even better, uh, uh, you know, especially if it's raining out and you need shelter and something to do, is to read a book. Um, yeah. uh, maybe a book about, like, I don't know, Broadway producers or something. Do you, do you oh, know yeah. any books like that? Yes. As a matter of fact, I, uh, I know this one book that's very close and dear to my heart. It's called Great Producers, Visionaries of the American Theater. And it, it was just released by Allworth Press about a month ago. And the author is myself. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, all right. I, I don't play surprise very well. <laughs> So who are some of the producers that you interview in the book? Uh, well, let me say, I interviewed Daryl Roth, a uh, very well-known detective, Daryl Roth Theater. We just you know, mentioned that. That's right. uh, let me see. Uh, Jack Vertel, who's the creative director of Jude Jameson, Roger Berlin, a longtime producer, Andre Bishop, who's the uh, artistic director of the Lincoln Center Theater, Margot Lyon, she's the producer of Hairspray, wow. uh, Fran Weisler, uh, her, you know, and... Uh, who has produced a lot of shows with stars in them. Cameron McIntosh, I'm sure. You've heard of Cameron McIntosh. What was he like to interview? Was he interesting? Was he dry and British? Or? He was very dry and British and really very funny and very candid. Oh, cool. I was, I was very, very surprised about it. And, I, and he, had, he had some really great stories in there. Like, for example, about how he kept railing against the instant communications that we have nowadays, like meaning email and he just said what well, was really great that when he got started, because he was kind of this hungry, sort of struggling producer who was short on funds, <laughs> is that um, yeah. he, could, he, he banked at several banks, and it was really great because by the time, he just said that the problem with instant communications, that he couldn't do what he, what he did when he first started, which was basically um, wait, till, like, wait several weeks until the check clears. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> which is like, which is stave off the creditors. Like nowadays you can't do it, but that's, but he could do it 
back then, you know, because we didn't have email and instant communication. So that was pretty funny. And um, I found him very candid. And, really? uh, he, and it was very interesting because I, I had read a, uh, an interview with him that he gave to this PBS series called Broadway, the American Musical. Uh-huh. This was before I interviewed him because I, I knew I know the producer and the writer of that series, Michael Cantor, and he gave me a, a copy of the transcript of his interview. And in this, and one of the questions that Michael asked him, which was not um, included in the, the series, was how would he like to be remembered? And Cameron McIntosh said that he really didn't want to be remembered because, you know, who remembers who produced Shakespeare's plays? You know, I mean, a producer really shouldn't be remembered. Well, it was interesting because I asked him the same question because I was curious whether he would give me the same answer. Yeah. He, he didn't. He was actually a lot more heartfelt and kind of sentimental, and he said I, he basically said he would like to be remembered for being a, the person who changed the face of musical theater in the late 20th century. Ah, and you could have said, hey, look, people do remember that, uh, say, David Merrick was the producer of uh, Fanny and Jumbo and Hello, yeah. Dolly. I mean, people yeah. kind of remember yeah. that 50 years on. Yeah, yeah. well, David, yeah, and David Merrick is actually one of, as a producer that I profile. I did profile four dead ones. <laughs> oh, that's good. That, the interviews must have been pretty boring on that, though. <laughs> well, actually, there were ten, because, so, the, the, you know, obviously, you know, the, as the, the title goes, I really wanted to focus on great, hugely successful producers. Sure. And the editor and I, when I, we, I was working on this, we both agreed that I should, uh, you know, talk about some of the legendary producers, which include Ziegfeld, David Merrick. Uh, Velasco, David Velasco. Velasco, right? yeah. and also um, Joe Papp. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, very, very well-known producer. So for them, like, for, like for the other producers, the ones who are very much alive, I did interview them all, and I also interviewed people who worked with them. But for the, the dead ones, I did do a lot of research, but I also interviewed people who have worked with them, including, yeah. believe it, a 104-year-old Zickfeld Folly. Wow. And I don't know if she's still alive. A Holly girl, wow. Yes, but I don't know if she's, but she was alive two years ago when I started working on the book. Doris E. Travis, and, uh, yeah, who worked with, uh, with Zigfeld, who was a Zigfeld Folly when she was a young teenager. Wow. And it was very interesting to get her insights, and she's still really spry, you know. Now, bless her. And and so people can read your profiles of all these producers, living and dead, in your book. Tell, again, the title and where people can get it. Okay. Great producers, visionaries of the American theater, the publisher is Allworth Press. You can get it on Amazon.com, and you can also get it in Barnes & Noble. It's in all the Barnes & Noble stores. Uh, It's if you're in Manhattan, it's in the Drama Bookshop. If you're in L.A., it's <laughs> somewhere in L.A. If you're in Iceland, <laughs> Samuel French. I mean, it's basically at all like most of all most of the the better bookstores. Well, the so. best bookstores because it's a the book best. written by you, Iris Dorbian. <laughs> Thank you so much, by the way, for for being part of Davis Gone By once again, yes. and 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 for being on Inside Broadway. Congratulations on the book from Allworth Press. And uh, be seeing you on the island, certainly back here on the mic um, on Dave's Gone By. Thank you very much for having me on your show. We've just been inside Broadway, thanks to TotalTheater.com and Performing Arts Insider. You've heard my voice. Now. 
now see my face. I'm Rabbi Saul Solomon, and I'm on TV every Wednesday and Friday morning at 7.30 on Cablevision Channel 115. Watch Shalom, damn it! I talk about Jewish culture, holidays, Edward James Olmos, whatever I damn well feel like. Shalom, damn it! Wednesday and Friday, 7.30 a.m., Channel 115. Or Channel 67 in New York City on Sunday afternoons at 1.30. Or anytime on YouTube.com. Shalom, damn it! Put their face to the voice. Here are 15 reasons why you should visit the Woodrow Delicatessen in Hewlett. Brisket, hot open roast beef, barbecue chicken, chicken fricassee, Polynesian chicken, frankfurters, stuffed cabbage, Romanian tenderloin, fresh turkey off the bone, matzo ball soup, French fries, corned beef, pastrami, seven-layer cake, and Hawaiian chicken salad. And here are three more reasons. The Woodrow is kosher, open daily in the Peninsula Shopping Center, and they cater. Woodrow Deli, how many reasons do you need? Dave's gone by. There goes the neighborhood, and time does go by when we do this program on AM 1240 WGBB Freeport. I'm Dave Lefkowitz, closing out the Dave's Gone By program. If you're uh, waiting for gospel, it'll be another five minutes or so, because um, the uh, gospel folks haven't gotten here yet. But there will be gospel music tonight, we promise that. Just have to close out the show first. So I want to do some thank yous and reminders and all that. So first of all, thank you to our wonderful sponsors, Fancy Schmancy Balloons, 516-797-3229 for all your party decorating needs. Fancy Schmancy Balloons, 516-797-3229. Remember, it's not just balloons, it's centerpieces. It's big archways and decorations, and it can also hook you up with all the other things that you need to make a party great. Ask for Jeff at Fancy Schmancy Balloons. Also, Hewlett Minuteman Press, family-owned since the 1970s in Hewlett, 1315 Broadway, right next to the former Lowman's Shoe Store, and 10% off for any job, big or small, at Minuteman, 569-5577, open six days a week, 569-5577, area code 516 at Hewlett, Minuteman Press. Performing Arts Insider Theater Magazine, the Bible of Broadway for 65 years, with a very, very special discount for Dave's Gone By listeners. It's The Journal. And your information source for everything happening on, off, and off, off Broadway, performingartsinsider.com has all the information. And thank you especially big this week to our brand new sponsors, Woodrow Delicatessen at the Peninsula Shopping Center in Hewlett, Long Island. Absolutely delicious food. My family's been going there for more than three decades now. I'm there a couple of times a month and eating everything from the, uh, the tenderloin to their chicken dishes to, um, my God, of course, pastrami and corned beef and brisket sandwiches. I know all the people there. They know me. I love them. I don't know what they think of me, but hopefully they like me now. That uh, I don't have actually that many enemies. I'm trying to make some more just to keep things lively. But certainly we have a friend in the Woodrow Deli. Please go there. Tell him Dave sent you. You can have a wonderful lunch or dinner seven days a week at the Woodrow. Reminding everybody that Shalom, damn it, Rabbi Saul Solomon's Peace, Love, and Acid Reflux Hour 
is on Wednesday and Friday mornings at 7.30 on Woodbury Cablevision Channel 115. And that's for one more week, and then it's going to change times in October. And it's going to... I'll tell you next week when the, the new times are, so it's not that confusing. But you still have one more week to catch it. <clears throat> Pardon me. Wednesdays and Friday mornings at 7.30 on Channel 115. And you can also watch it on Manhattan Neighborhood Network's channel, Sundays at 1.30 in the afternoon on Channel 67. And remember, all the episodes are watchable on YouTube.com anytime at all. Remember, again, that we've migrated all these shows, 50 recent episodes of Dave's Gone By, onto davesgoneby.org. You can listen to them as podcasts or download them or just hear them right on the site, davesgoneby.org. Also, look on the WGBB schedule, am1240wgbb.com, for episodes of Filler Up. That's a weekly music program that I do, half an hour, where I play eclectic music from the folk and rock and pop worlds. You know, this show, I do a lot of talking. That show, it's 95% music. So check it out. It plays at different times during the week. So check the WGBB schedule page at am1240wgbb.com. I want to remind everybody about a couple of things about some of our recent guests. Tova Feldshu is appearing in Irena's Vow off-Broadway at the Baruch Performing Arts Center through November 2nd. That's uh, speaking of Jewish themes about a housekeeper who defies the Nazis to help Jews. Um, Starting September 23rd, well, that was this week, watch Jamie DeRoy and Friends on Tuesdays at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Channel 67 on the aforementioned Manhattan Neighborhood Network. Uh, Michael Leiden is, oh, that, that was last week, I don't have to mention that. Or that. So I want to do a couple more thank yous before we have to get out of here. Greg Pernhagen, thank you, thank you so much. And everybody catch Baba Lucy at the Actors Temple Theater. And we're going to be hearing his version of Desi Arnaz's Straw Hat song to end this program. Thank you also to Penny Landau of Maya Public Relations for setting all that up. I want to thank my beloved and adorable and sweet and great wife, Joyce, as always. And thanks and shout out to my great mom and dad and to my in-law, mom and dad. Hi to all of you and to everyone else. And thank you to my co-host who is snoozing as he did at my party, (laughs) Jeff Goodman. Eyes closed. Do you want to give us a little snore, Jeff? Mm. Nice one. Very nice. In the upcoming weeks, Knockwood, going to have a live guest next week, the one and only return. Well, it won't be his only return, hopefully, but Art Paul Schlosser will be back in the neighborhood, the street singer from Milwaukee, Art Paul Schlosser. And also coming up soon, Carol Edmondston, who is the niece of the cartoonist Sid Hoff. Remember him with the cute gangy and the dinosaur? Really cute stuff. Going to talk to her about her uncle. Okay, it's time wah, to leave the neighborhood, just like we have to leave Yankee and Shea Stadium pretty soon. But I will be back next Sunday, September 28th, with the 292nd episode of Dave's Gone By. Until then, don't miss your days going by. This is Dave Lefkowitz. And Jeff Goodman. Wishing you good night. Babaloo and toodle-oo. And gone by. Aunque no quiera yo, ni quieras tú, lo quiere Dios. Hasta la eternidad te seguirá mi amor. Como una sombra iré, perfumaré tu inspiración. 
y junto a ti estaré también en el dolor. Aunque no quieras tú, ni quiera yo, lo quiere Dios. Hasta la eternidad te seguirá mi amor. Hasta en tu beso me hallarás. Hasta en el agua y en el sol, aunque no quieras tú, aunque no quiera yo.